Welcome back to another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. And we come back today on a, a somber note, uh, of course, here with my right-hand man, my man on the right, Neely. Welcome back in, sir. Charles Bishop, good to be with you again. Uh, and as you said, challenging times and occasions, but, uh, you know, that's what Tiger's built for. No doubt about it. And, you know, today's guest uh, is a tremendous uh, guest in terms of being as Jackson State as the tower, if you will. He's a, a 1965 alumnus of Jackson State. Uh, he's had a career spanning over 30 years as an administrator and professor, most recently of the Urban Higher Education or Executive Ph.D. program, as well as Alumni Affairs, Director of Development and Alumni Affairs, Special Assistant to the Executive Vice President, and also President of the National Alumni Association from 2004 to 2008, uh, he is a true Renaissance man and author. Uh, we want to welcome to Tiger Talk, Dr. Hilliard Lackey. Welcome in, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Charles Bishop and Christopher Darrow Neely. <laughs> I'm just glad to be with you guys. You know, I'd love to tell anybody that I knew your parents. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and in this case, I knew his grandparents. <laughs> yeah, I was just—I was yeah, just smiling at Doctor Lackey because uh, that's exactly right. You know, my grandmother was a manager at the football dorm, and and you and my mother worked there for years together. When you, and when you said my full name, I just smiled. I said, "Well, he, he knows me." <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, guys, and we wanted to bring Dr. Lackey on to um, offer some context. Of course, we lost another Tiger icon in, in Paul Covington, uh, who was uh, the head basketball coach at Jackson State for some 19 years. I mean, he was a, a trailblazer, and he really helped set the foundation for, for Jackson State's men's basketball. Uh, he was an administrator in the athletic administration as well, but uh, I, we wanted to bring Dr. Lackey on to really talk to us and really educate uh, another generation about uh, Paul Covington. So, Dr. Lackey, if you would, uh, you know, Coach Cove was at Jackson State, I mean, during a, a period of a heyday, if you will, of Jackson State basketball. Just kind of talk about what he meant to Jackson State men's basketball. All right, fellas. You know, Jackson State didn't begin offering basketball scholarships until 1951. The first person to receive a basketball scholarship was Lucius Mitchell from up there to Lexington, Kentucky. So he came hmm. in 51, and then the second year, in 52, Paul Covington came from the same place. So that started that, and Covington graduated in 1956. And eventually found his way out to Oklahoma Community, well, Clarksdale High School, Oklahoma Community College, and down to Alcorn for a little bit. We don't tell everybody that. <laughs> but <laughs> he didn't stay yes, long. <laughs> he came over to Jackson State, and when Harrison Wilson <clears throat> left uh, to go to uh, Norfolk State, you know, Harrison Wilson, the grandfather of Russell Wilson, the quarterback at the Seattle Seahawks, well, he was the head basketball coach, and, and Coach Coverton succeeded him. And in doing so, he, he went back to his roots. At that point in time, Kentucky was known as a hot, hotbed of basketball talent. What that dude named Ruff 
Adolph Ruff. Yeah, Adolph Ruff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adolph Ruff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so people growing up in Kentucky had this uh, reputation. So Coach Covington recruited far and wide, but he went back home around Kentucky and, and could find himself a, a few pieces of his puzzle to put together some really good teams. Mm. I, you want to interrupt every now and then? You know, you know. I don't know how to do. It. I just keep talking. Otherwise. Well, no, you're doing you're doing wonderful. This is great context. No, yeah, very okay, great very good. No mm-hmm. Uh huh. So, and, and it's also Coach Covington started coaching here as a head coach in 1967. Uh, I started here on April 1st, 1967, at Jackson State as an employee, which was a Saturday. That Friday night, the coach's wife died, March 31st. Uh, coach Harrison Wilson, who was uh, the, his and his the grandmother of Russell Wilson, died on March thirty first, and my first job ever at Jackson State was to write a little story for her for the black section of the Clarion Legend for the Mississippi uh, Black Papers. Mm. That's a strange thing. So I, I feel a close friendship, a kinship with the. Wilson family and Cuffton and basketball because of that. So mm-hmm. when she died on March 31st, and I started work on well, you know, I came to work that night before, you know, <laughs> going to hang out. <clears throat> and I came to the campus the night before. I spent the night in the dormitory with my fraternity brothers. They, you know, they didn't know anything about no Indiana University there, though. <laughs> <laughs> they know something about Ithaca, New York, or places like that. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's another story. I hate to be laughing and we talking about this <clears throat> summer moment, but so Coach Wilson decided to leave this campus, <clears throat> and and in doing so, he recommended uh, uh, Paul Covington. Now, Doctor Peoples had been here only one month when Mrs. Uh, Wilson passed away, and the, and the coach. Harrison Wilson served notice soon thereafter that he was leaving. So Dr. Peoples was new. Coach Covington was new. And I was new. I and mean, a whole lot of folks were new. Coach Gordon came that fall. He was new. So I started before Coach Covington, before Coach Gordon, you know, a month or two or three difference. And so I've known them ever since they have been here. We're affiliated with the campus as coaches. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And then working mm-hmm. with alumni affairs, my job was to research graduates of Jackson State and how they fit into the chronology. So that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing for about 53 years. You know, I know you said yes, well, sir. my career spans over 30 years, but it's really 53. Mm-hmm. That's a sure long thing. time. Sure but it also is a lot of information, I suppose, about folks who have been here. So Coach Covington uh, invited me to ride along with him when he traveled uh, to recruiting. So I, I, I did so because I knew alumni in the area all had a chance to know and wanted to know. So I really wanted to go. I also filmed the games uh, in those days. We didn't say video because we didn't have video. We had 16-millimeter tapes that we had mm-hmm. to develop. So as a student for four years, I filmed the game. So when I came back as an employee, 
uh, I volunteered to do the same thing yes, so sir. that I could travel with the teams. I did love traveling always so you can see things and see people and, and, you know, the alumni would come out to the game and so on. Well, Coach Covington, the first year, 67, 68, right in there, he didn't have much trouble recruiting except in competition with Alcorn. Valley wasn't that much competition, and Old Miss Mississippi State was not yet integrated. But by 1968, 69, I think it was 69, uh, Ole Miss t- took one of our uh, prospects from uh, from under Coach Covington Nose up there in mm. Indy, up there in Indianola, Mississippi. And the man that mm. says, "Who that hurt him?" He just would talk about stuff like that. He said they got all the white people. And now they're coming over and got mine, the one I want, so I can beat Rich, you know, beat all corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Beating all corn was everything for Jackson State. I don't care whether you're shooting barbers, <laughs> playing horseshoes. <laughs> Beating all corn was everything. And it seemed like we'd lost a little bit of that edge right now. There ain't no way we would lose all corn and not – lose our mind trying to get ready for next time. I get mm-hmm. you next time we got you. Mm-hmm. If you get me this time, shame on, shame on me. <laughs> but next time no I doubt. got to get you. Yes, sir. So that's just an attitude that we had about that tiger spirit that we had to beat our arch rival. And mm-hmm. Whipping yes. Valley at that point in time was, you know, just something that we did. And, and yeah. beating the stew out of Tougaloo, I hope that Ryan beat the stew out of Tougaloo. <laughs> <laughs> that was rusty. And MI, you know, those private, three private schools, Mississippi Industrial, Rust College, mm-hmm. and Tougaloo, we had to just walk on them. <clears throat> that was our aim and ambition. Mm-hmm. It was understood. Mm-hmm. So Coach Covington right. then had this, uh, he, he had this John Wooden conceptualization of coaching. That is, players made the coach. Players made the coach. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And recruiting uh, recruiting was more important than coaching, per se. If you didn't have the players, you just didn't have, you couldn't coach. So a lot of critics of Coach Covington was to say that he, he, just was, he wasn't a good coach, but he won games because he was a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, well, we could say the same about John Wood. We could say the same about any any team that is. New York Yankees, you know, great players. They make great teams. So um, do you need a coach, a great coach? Maybe not. But that, that that's but Coach Covington believed in having an arsenal, a stable house, if you will, of excellent players. And so he, mm-hmm. he devoted whatever time was necessary to recruit recruiting players, sure. And and so uh, I, I'll let you guys ask a question now, so I can catch my breath. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we, we, we we are just like our listeners. We we could hang on every word you say for hours and hours. Exactly. So I appreciate exactly. you. You know, uh, uh, acknowledging that you're a human and need to breathe, but but we didn't want you to breathe. We just <laughs> wanted to talk. Uh, because you know, as you, as you mentioned, Doctor Black, you know, Chuck and I are. You know, knocking on knocking on fifty, and have because of our parents and grandparents been affiliated with the university, you know, since we got here. But there's now another generation uh, that's coming behind us, a generation or two now 
that that are, uh, for lack of a better word, not familiar with some of these historic uh, names and figures and personalities. You know, our athletic director and our, our university talks about building on tradition and, and blazing trails. And, and so you have this generation that is knowledgeable about the new trails but don't understand uh, just because of age and, and a lack of, uh, I would say, or history passed around, you know, some of these some of these great names that are affiliated with the university and the way we are. And, and you know, Charles started off in saying that you thought the life was as such as iconic as the tower. And I would say to you, Chuck, that, that you know, the, the, the tower was, 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 was built at some point. He saw it built. So I'm going to go with Lynch Street. Right. You know, because, because, uh, <laughs> I'm exactly. sure Lynch existed exactly. before he did his relationship with the university. But, but, but you know, to get this information from you, Dr. Lackett, firsthand, we talk about and celebrate the life of uh, uh, Coach Covington, Coach Cove, as he was re- respectfully and, and lovingly called, uh, you know, I think that in having been around him like the three of you, that he would appreciate the, the human sum of this discussion. And, uh, you know, same thing we did a, a tribute recording and, uh, with uh, uh, Coach Gordon. Uh, and, and so one thing I'd like to hear from you, Dr. Lacking, you know, when you talk about, you know, these iconic personalities, uh, you know, having you know, lost W.C. Gordon, our, our winless football coach, and now having lost uh, coach Cove, our, our women's basketball coach, uh, how do we better bridge that gap, you know, between uh, incoming students all the way to recent graduates and not so recent graduates to share this rich history that we have of our institution, but not so much the institution, but the people who, uh, who made up that history. Because, you know, a lot of folks are going to watch the Seattle Seahawks the rest of the season having no idea that his grandfather you know, coached at Jackson State. So how do we how do we mm-hmm. best capture that and keep that, that knowledge going? Well, we try in this course we call our University Success at Jackson State. And, and starting in 2014, we expanded Founders Day, which is our day of to imbue students on one occasion with their history and their legacy. We try to do it in one hour <laughs> once a year. That didn't work. So we expanded Founders Day in 2014 to Founders Week, and we actually brought Coach Gordon and the sports information director, retired Sam Jefferson, back to campus mm-hmm. to talk about sports, and we brought in the J-Sets founder who just passed away of, of, uh, six weeks or so ago, <clears throat> Shirley mm-hmm. Blakely. So we tried to do that, and, and we give a, a chronology, in an hour <laughs> to those. And, and we got built into this university success student for new students attending Jackson State as undergraduates to learn the history. But we, it's a hard time trying to find appropriate people to do the teaching of the classes. Mm. For example, sometimes we have people who grew up in New York City or in Istanbul, Turkey, teaching Welcome to campus. We're going to tell you the history of Jackson State. <laughs> My mm. goodness. <laughs> That's a stretch. Yes, yeah, a mm-hmm. really big stretch. So we're still grappling with that, how to do it. I've been meeting with some leadership of Jackson State concerning how we can best do it. Uh, so we're going to keep at it. We're not giving up on it. We've we got things in the working. Ideas are coming forth. If you have them, please pass them along to me, and I know where to put them. I know yes, who sir. put them yes, on. Yes, sir. <laughs> but meanwhile, I, I wanted, you know, 
integration came to Mississippi in the high school ranks around 1968-69, if you recall. Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 says separate but equal was unconstitutional, but it should be fixed with all deliberate speed. And the word deliberate was a escape hatch mm-hmm. for those who didn't want to integrate. So it took another 15 years or so before integration happened. And and so there were black schools and white schools throughout Mississippi, and the black players went to black colleges and the white players went to white colleges. Then when integration came, it's almost like a punishment because hmm. now the black athletes were lured to go to white schools starting, you know, 68, 69, 70, and then it accelerated, in, you know, in the mid-70s. But Jackson State had one last final fling at that under Coach Coverton with basketball and, I guess, football at the same time. You know, Walter Payton came to Jackson State in football in 1971. Along about mm-hmm. that same time, there was Eugene Short out of Hattiesburg because later his brother Purvis came. And there was mm-hmm. Alfonso Smith, who I think was affiliated with Natchez, but had gone somewhere else, and he transferred back into Jackson State. And then mm-hmm. we had uh, Glendale Jones and that Barry boy. I forgot his first name. But we had five of the greatest basketball players. Uh, well, six, because uh, Henry Helicopter Ward from Jackson was got in there. He was the, he was the sixth player. And Helicopter, yes, sir. Yes, sir, bro. Mm-hmm. He could t- take a quarter off the top of the backboard, so they say. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. <laughs> but here we had this tremendous team in the, the first part of the 70s. And, and one coach who visited here and played Jackson State down at the Coliseum at the fairground said, they're like an orchestra. <laughs> it's like a symphony, <laughs> a symphony in motion. Because Coach Coverton had them just going through that that drills, he loved to play that one three one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one guard mm-hmm. out front and the center in the back, you know, and then the, oh man, he loved the one three one. <clears throat> Offense, defense, he didn't matter. You know, most teams like to play a two one two or something similar to that. Mm-hmm. But Coach Coverton said he wanted to play a one three one. You know, I didn't play basketball in high school because you know I lived in the country. And the only way you could practice and be on a football basketball team was you, the coach had to take you home. You had to be good enough for him. To, I wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be good enough for him to go out the way, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, coach. <laughs> coach, coach. You know, Dr. Lackey. Dr. Lackey, and you talk about this this one last thing, and I'm so fascinated uh, by this time frame in Jackson State history when we start to take a look at uh, post-integration, especially when we take a look at the early 70s uh, throughout the, the rest of the, the decade of the 70s, where you had all these stars on campus uh, from, you know, Eddie and Walter Payton. You mentioned Alfonso Smith, Snake Warner, uh, through Eugene Purvis, uh, the Norris brothers. Uh, hey, and Chuck, Potter, don't, but, don't, don't. Chuck, don't leave out uh, Danny Manning's father, Ed Manning, played the Jackson right. State during, it, it, during that it, this time. Is, yeah, Coach Covington. This is a phenomenal time. Too. Called him the Leaning Tower. Uh, what that little town between uh, oh, Magnolia and Macomb? <laughs> <laughs> the Leaning Tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coach, you got the 
This is where North what, Pike is. North Pike High School is located in that little town. Mm-hmm. Summit. Yeah, Leaning Tower Summit, Mississippi. Leaning Tower Summit. <laughs> but this is a fascinating time period in Jackson State athletics history. What was it like being on campus at the time? It was ex- the game was played, you know. Basically, we played games in, in the, we call it a snake pit, which was the unit of Rose McCoy Auditorium nowadays. And, and on special occasion, we could go down to the fairgrounds uh, and to play basketball on special games uh, when it was available. If the Dixie National Ro- Rodeo was in town or something else, da da da, then we couldn't go. We had to show. To get to the games, you had to go early. Mm. Because Southern and Southern had some 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 fast shooting teams back in the day. Some guy named Frankie something that I forget his name. Ooh, Lord, he would he and and, and Purvis Short would just exchange shots across <laughs> the across <laughs> the mid mid court stripe and turn it loose. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Oh, we had so it was just most exciting. You just wanted to be there because mm-hmm. everybody talked about it beforehand and afterwards. So you know, this was the thing. <laughs> Basketball was the top of the line. So yeah, we had yes, you know, a team went twenty nine and two, all that kind of stuff. Hey, what are you talking about? So Coach Covington was in the heyday. As <clears throat> forestated, he said that great players make great coaches. And, and and where you get the players is recruited, recruit them. Yeah. So he spent a, a good deal of time recruiting. But integration zapped those players away from the HBCUs, historical black colleges and universities, for the most mm-hmm. part. <clears throat> and Jackson State helped that to happen because we had one of the greatest teams I think you could ever put on a court with those six players that I named. Uh, but they were really something, and and, mm-hmm. and and we were rocking and rolling, and Coach uh, Covington was just a lot of fun to ride with. I get back to him now since this is mostly about him. <clears throat> to say that I think he retired, what, about 1985. So another 10 years he tried to re uh, recreate that magic of those four years he had with Eugene and Purvis and Al Smith and, and then that Barry boy and, and Glendale Jones, whoo. and so he tried, and he recruited best he could, but Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, <laughs> everybody wanted the best black players in America. So we tried, too. We went all up to New York and tried to get some of the street shooters, kids off the street who could shoot some basketball. But sometime they created some new problem because they weren't used to it. Uh, was to were having so much freedom. Yeah, I, I'll mm. put it like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you know where people didn't un- people didn't lock their cars or didn't put away their wear. They weren't used to that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so it was a cultural mm. difference, and that sometimes they ran into a lot of uh, trouble when they was here on campus. I hate to say it like that, but it is the truth. So Coach Covington coached another ten years. And at some point, I stopped riding with them, filming the game. I forgot what year it was. I think it might have been around 1978, 79. So I didn't spend as much time with him in his last five to ten years as I did his first years. I traveled with mm-hmm. him the first ten years he was here often. 
mm-hmm. you know, riding and talking. He was so insightful, and he was had a lot of wisdom and insight into things, uh, large and small. Sure. And he really, yes, he really always could see uh, a relationship between basketball and life. Mm. Uh-huh. What, what, well, necessarily in life you weren't trying to, to whip an opponent, but you were trying to, to outfox the, the challenges that you faced no matter what they were. And so you had to have mm-hmm. a game plan. That's all he always preached. You need to have a game plan. And so any of his players would know that they had to have a game plan for their life. And I picked up on that. And when I teach school right now, when I raise my children, the same thing always, what's your game plan? What's your plan? You know, once I knew the plan, then I want to rehash the plan with them in part on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. Because you fellas, you know, if you had a daughter and, and, and she's going off to the prom, you're going to ask her a prom date, what's your plan? <laughs> 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 Let me hear the plan. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's I, all I, right. No doubt. If, no doubt. Yeah, I remember doing that twice. You know, I got two daughters and two sons. I remember doing that twice. Oh, what's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> because we well, Though Coach Covington always was pushing all players and all people that he taught is to have a plan. Just don't mm-hmm. go through life have hazards of, of, of wandering through life of meaningless, but to have a plan. And, and if there's one thing that I would want him to be remembered, just me wanting him to be remembered by, is to, for all people, no matter your age, always have a plan. Have a plan for your day. For your hour, your week, your month, your your years, or your whatever, have a plan. Just don't wander around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Always be going somewhere. As a football referee, when they said that to me, I thought about him. You know, in, on the football field, when you referee, every step has to have a meaning. You know, now you might see a referee at work out there on the football field. So what? You know. But when I'm watching, I know that every step, they call it meaningful motion, every step has to have a reason. Why did you take two steps to the right? Because the tight end had lined up. You know, they, they got, there's always a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A man was in motion. <laughs> you got to have a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. But the left tackle right. raised up and, you know, so I, I, I read, key, read, and react. And so that's the same thing. <clears throat> and so... I just I just smile at Coach Covington's uh, wisdom when I, whenever I went through stuff like that. I, isn't that so wonderful? That this man had some kind of wisdom. Yes, and, indeed. Uh huh. And that's and I right. think that's the thing about coaches and band directors and so on that sometimes could be overlooked as they mm-hmm. become so influential on the students under their watch because of those little things that they teach, life lessons. And and to me, that's what a HBCU is all about, life lessons as well as knowing about Columbus sailing ocean blue in 1492 and M- e- e- MC square and all that stuff, Einstein. But you also need these life lessons because those are the things that many times because of 
our history and heritage that these uh, African-American children, students, lack. Mm-hmm. It's hard for mom and them who, who had limited education, limited exposure, and, and, and limited experiences in a global world to impart all of this. But chances are these coaches and band directors, and especially a coach like Coach Paul Covington, who, you know, the basketball team traveled coast to coast and all that stuff. I went to uh, uh, Hawaii with him, by the way. I changed my subject right quick because that was one mm. of the best trips I ever had with, with Lindsey Hunter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one with Coach Covington. What was that, Oh, no. Rainbow shootout or Rainbow Classic or something like that. The Rainbow call. Classic, yeah, yeah, I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I said, let me let me recapitulate here and go to uh, Hawaii. Traveling <laughs> 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 with the team, but but until <laughs> I was a national alumni president, by the way, so I figured I could go out there if I wanted. <laughs> well, that's a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good reason. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, gentlemen, well, I think uh, what we can say about it, and I think I want to sum it up, it's going to be repetitive because I don't have many words, but, but it's like this. When, when John Wooten wrote that book, they called me coach. In the frontispiece, he explained that being a coach, I don't want to overstate it, but in my, my mind it said being more than a father figure, a mother figure for the woman, for the female coach, but it also like being some kind of angel, a guardian angel for the for the players. And when a coach is in that kind of uh, perspective, then the coach is is bigger than life. And that's what I want to say about Paul Covington, a humble man. But you know, he was set up and all that, but but he still was humble. But he wanted to mold students mold them into um, men, good men. And I heard the same yes, thing sir. about it, and I knew the same thing about Coach Gordon. But that is a great thing. And, and we had a coach, and I hate to call his name, but you just might not know who I'm talking about. His name was James Bell. He said that's all he was going to do was mold me. I said, God help us all. We got to win, so I was mold me. <laughs> Otherwise, there's a lot of pussycats. <laughs> so, so Coach Covington was here winning and molding men. He was doing both of them. And then he was a teacher yes, and educated. Nowadays, coaches do not teach. Coaches mm-hmm. stop teaching at the second coach after Coach Covington. Stop teaching, and now they just coach. And, mm-hmm. and we hope in the process they also mold men. But Coach Covington mm-hmm. was a classroom teacher where he taught boys and girls, men and women. And he was a coach where he coached men. And then he also was a mentor, a nurturer, who helped young men, helped boys become men or helped mm-hmm. men become better men and be mm-hmm. responsible human beings, responsible adults. And so that's what I want to say about him. That he was prototypical in that sense. Uh, that is, he won games. He taught boys and girls, men and women, male and female, in the classroom, and he mentored and nurtured those under his uh, wings, who, who um, his players. And 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 in the process, he was a winner 
to me, that means he was winning on and off the basketball court. And that is what legends are made of. Mm-hmm. No you doubt. Can't separate him. No, sir. Well, if you separate, said. oh, you won a lot of games, but his boys went to hell. Oh, no, no, we don't want that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, sir. He yes, won sir. games, and the players become, became great men. Uh-huh. And, he, and, and, and we didn't leave the women out because he taught them in the classroom. He was able to impact them. You can mm-hmm. see that on Facebook, how people reacted to posts about what a, what a, a great teacher he was. And his work study students were just, they just singing his praises. And so th- that's what I want to say. And I sing his praises, too. Uh, and my wife helped me because she was at... Uh, you know, we are from near Clarksdale. We're in the country, so we don't claim Clarksdale. Sometimes we we claim Marks more than Clarksdale, but, you know, we mm-hmm. lived six miles outside of Clarksdale while he was coaching at Higgins. <clears throat> and we saw him coach. And then he went over mm-hmm. to Oklahoma, and my wife was there with him. Then she went down to Alcorn. She was lost in delusion, I think, and she saw him down there, too. <laughs> then she started working at Jackson State, and he was there. She said, where I go, there's Coach Covington. <laughs> and his wife, he called his wife Peaches. <laughs> See, any man who calls his wife peaches, he got to be a good man. No, I'm serious about yes, that. Indeed. You know, my old lady, you know, you can hear people talking about their significant mm-hmm. others. My old lady, old lady well, he's no peaches, peaches. Like that's peaches. Right. <laughs> no doubt. No and I always doubt. thought about have a pet name, a good name for her, and I never heard of any other man call his wife Peaches. <laughs> so I, I was always impressed with that in, in, in my wife, and I grew up in the same area outside of Clarksdale, so she spent more campus time with him because she was on three campuses with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, we, so well, knowing that I was coming on this podcast with you guys, she helped, she helped me. You know, she gave me some insights into things that he had done. They helped so many folk all mm-hmm. over the years, ever since she had known them, how they were just good people, great role models, and they not only talked to talk, he and Mrs. Covenant, they walked the walk. Yes, sir. And, and that's the yes, best sir. thing we can say because America is built on hypocrisy. Say what you say what you think people want to hear, but then do what you think is is. <laughs> In the best interest of yourself, that's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so, yes, to find these true blue folks who walk the walk and talk the talk and walk the walk or talk the walk, <laughs> walk the talk. I know I get it right sooner or later. That was Paul Covington, mm-hmm. and and that's what I remember. Yes, sir. Great yes, stuff. indeed. Great this stuff. Was a tr- tremendous episode. Tremendous. Uh, historical nuggets that you put out there. Uh, and you know, when you talk about Paul Covington, uh, just little tidbits. First African-American to serve with the Presidential Honor Guard at the Arlington National Cemetery during his Army service from 1956 to 1958. Wow. Four players from his 1970 SWAG championship team were drafted by the NBA. Of course, we know the brothers Eugene in 1975 and Purvis in 1978 were both first-round draft choices. And Coach Covington, an honors graduate from Jackson State with a master's from the University of Kentucky. As you mentioned, Dr. Lackey, he stressed education to his players 
67% of them receive their undergraduate degree. So that's a, another thing that we definitely won't know about Coach Paul Covington. His 19 years of service with Jackson State, 338 wins, 195 losses, four outright SWAC championship titles in 1970, 1974, 1975, and 1982, sharing SWAC championships with Alcorn in 68 and Grambling in 1964. Coach Covington, he was named SWAC Coach of the Year five times during his tenure and was the number one nationally ranked team in NCAA Division II poll in 1975. So, you know, Dr. Lackey, you, you've provided us such tremendous context. We sure appreciate you coming on. Neely, any, any final thoughts? Yes, sir. Not so much. Jackson I State, wanted... I wanted to say, and you, can, you guys chime in because you saw it too. When Jackson State played Alcorn under the auspices of Whitney and, and Covington, man, that, that, you can't get better than that, can you? I mean, yes, the yes, in the air, the people want to fight, people want to be drunk, people praying. <laughs> the extreme <laughs> emotion came out in folks. I mean, you just couldn't be normal. You had to go to some extreme, whatever your extremity was. This is Jackson State and Alcorn, and just to sit there to see, look over there on the bench, Whitney rolling up his, his, his printed program and, and Covington with his hand in his pocket and strutting with the suits on. Man, this, this is good stuff. It's the kind good of stuff, stuff you can watch on TV all night long, just be watching. You don't, don't forget the players. Let's look at the coaches. Let's look at what Yes, sir. <laughs> Electricity in the air. Jackson State Alcorn under Covington and Whitney. Mm. That's oh, black history. God. Black black history and black, black history. history. Dr. Yes, sir. Dr. Lack, we certainly appreciate you coming on, man, and we open the door for you to come back anytime because we want to continue to to capture and soak up your knowledge and rich history of fourteen hundred Lynch Street. Your valued treasure and, and man, we, we just can't can't hear from you enough. Sounds good to me. Uh, you know, that's what comes with age. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, Daily, a living legend. And for this episode of Tiger Talk, I'm Charles Bishop, of course, with Neely, and we will see you on the other side.